I have the opinion of the Court in Case 16-1161, Gill v. Whitford. This case comes to us on direct appeal from the District Court for the Western District of Wisconsin. The plaintiffs are 12 Democratic voters from different parts of Wisconsin. They allege that in 2011, the Wisconsin Legislature gerrymandered the state's legislative districts to favor Republicans. Now, this Court has considered such partisan gerrymandering claims before, but we have not yet determined whether they are justiciable, that is, whether they can be appropriately resolved by courts pursuant to legal standards. The plaintiffs were, of course, aware of these concerns and asserted in the District Court that they had come up with several objective ways to measure how much of an advantage the Wisconsin Legislature had given to Republicans through gerrymandering. The plaintiff's principal measurement, what they call the efficiency gap, is based on a comparison of each party's wasted votes. Wasted votes are defined as all votes cast for a losing candidate and all votes cast for a winning candidate above the 50 percent needed to achieve a majority. The plaintiffs argued that Wisconsin's legislative map is unconstitutional because it generates a high efficiency gap in favor of Republicans. In other words, the plaintiffs argued, voting districts in Wisconsin were set up so that Democrats tend to waste their votes at a much higher rate than do Republicans. Now, the state election officials who are the defendants in this case did not deny that politics played a role in redistricting in Wisconsin. They produced their own experts, however, who testified that the political geography of Wisconsin is such that it naturally favors Republicans because while Democratic voters tend to be tightly clustered in cities, Republican voters are more evenly spread out across the state. Drawing reasonably compact districts would thus naturally result in certain districts that were heavily Democratic, while a greater number outside the cities would lean Republican. Now, after considering the evidence, the district court concluded that the plaintiffs had proven their claim, and it ordered that the entire state's legislative map be redrawn. The defendants appealed to this court. Their first argument is that the plaintiffs failed to establish standing to bring their suit. As in any case, we must address standing before proceeding to the merits. The concept of standing is simply this. Before a plaintiff can make a federal case out of something that bothers him, he needs to show that he has a personal stake in the outcome of the case, that he has some interest in the case other than a generalized grievance about government. Now, the reason for that rule is also simple. It keeps courts in the business of resolving the sort of concrete conflicts that they are supposed to resolve while keeping out more generalized disputes properly left to the democratic process. We therefore require that before a federal court exercises jurisdiction over a case, it must be satisfied that the plaintiff has suffered the invasion of a legally protected interest that is concrete and particularized, that is, one that affects the plaintiff in a personal and individual way. Now, we have long recognized that a person's right to vote is individual and personal in nature. And ever since our one-person, one-vote decisions in Baker versus Carr and Reynolds versus Sims, we have recognized that individual plaintiffs do have standing to challenge legislative apportionment systems that dilute the value of their individual votes. In this case, the plaintiffs asserted a right not to have their individual votes diluted for partisan reasons. But at trial, they made no effort to prove that their alleged gerrymander diverted, diluted their votes. Instead, they sought to prove that the state had burdened Wisconsin Democrats as a whole. Their proof of injury focused on, quote, collective representation in the legislature, end quote, and the legislature's overall, quote, composition and policymaking. 
but an individual voter's legal interest in the overall composition and policymaking of the legislature is embodied in his right to vote for the representative from his district. Any other interest in the composition and policymaking of the legislature is one that is shared with all other members of the public. Voters who claim harm from vote dilution have standing to assert only claims based on the dilution of their own votes through the drawing of their own districts. That is not the case the plaintiffs put on. At the center of their case was the efficiency gap evidence described earlier. The plaintiffs emphasized that the efficiency gap is a workable standard that is easy to calculate. But no matter how easy it is to calculate, the efficiency gap does nothing to describe the burden that a gerrymander imposes on an individual voter. Instead, it delivers a single statewide number that measures which political party is more efficient at converting votes into seats in the legislature. The efficiency gap cannot distinguish between what the alleged gerrymander has done to the plaintiff who is a Democratic voter in Madison and what it has done to the one who is a Democratic voter in Sheboygan, who are in very different positions when it comes to vote dilution. All that matters under the efficiency gap metric is the balance of power statewide between Republicans and Democrats writ large. Now, that fact underscores the fundamental problem with the plaintiff's case. It is a case about group political interests, not individual legal rights. A claim like the plaintiff's must proceed on a district-by-district basis in order to meet the requirements of Article III standing. Now, because we find that the plaintiffs have failed to establish standing to bring their partisan gerrymandering claims, we do not address whether such claims are justiciable. We vacate the judgment of the district court and remand the case so that the plaintiffs, who have alleged that they were individually harmed by gerrymandering, may have a chance to demonstrate that individual harm. All members of the court have joined this opinion, except that Justices Thomas and Gorsuch would instruct the district court on remand to dismiss the plaintiff's claims. Justice Kagan has filed a concurring opinion in which Justices Ginsburg, Breyer, and Sotomayor have joined. Justice Thomas has written an opinion concurring in part and concurring in the judgment in which Justice Gorsuch has joined.